Martha, have you seen the rain? The rain is going up. We're on the moon. What was your name? Martha. And it was Jones, wasn't it? I'm the doctor. Me too, if I ever pass my exams. Jadoon. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who, and this is our second recording of 2019. And we're going back in time, and we're in back in time specifically, Series 3 of Doctor Who, the second series of David Tennant as the 10th Doctor, and the introduction of Martha Jones. So for anyone listening, if you've heard recently us talking as we were going through Series 11, we were very subtle in our hints that Nicole from the Terminus podcast needed to come back. Well, guess what? Nicole is with us tonight. Nicole. Welcome to 2019. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Uh, you wanted me to come on? I didn't even guess that. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't get that from listening. I mean, like, totally. I just, wow, I just I just showed up today. I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, Who I'm so freaking glad you were on <laughs> Skype. I mean, really. <laughs> just kidding. Thank you so much for wanting me back. <laughs> I always feel like I ramble too much, but that's good. No, we're we're we're... Very glad to have you back, and I know that this series in particular is one of your favorite. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's not my actual favorite, but it's one of my big favorites because Martha Jones is actually my favorite companion. Cool. What? Really? Yeah, of all <laughs> the companions, she is my favorite. Well, cool deal. Well, for anyone listening, as we just said, we are talking about the introduction of Martha Jones and joining me also, as always on this podcast, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how's it going? How are you? Hey, man. What's up? Glad to be on another podcast, man. I'm doing great. Doing great. How about yourself, dude? I can't complain. You know, I've enjoyed Series 11, but I have to be honest with you, seeing David Tennant again, seeing the 10th Doctor, I don't know. I was just like so happy to be back watching the series, one of my favorite Doctors, one of my favorite series, and seeing the story grow. It was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, definitely, uh, once you dive back into these, uh, older episodes, it does strike a different tone, most certainly, <laughs> especially from the latest series. So yeah, it's been fun to, to, you know, get started back up on our, our back catalog here. Absolutely. So getting into the actual story, or actually before we get into the story, Lee cannot be with us tonight. He had a commitment that he could not back out of, so he will be back with us soon. But he did send a message to everyone, and that message is five words. Jadoon platoon on the moon. <laughs> is that where he is actually right now? Is Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe he got abducted by the uh, Jadoon. Well, at least he can say that. I mean, we know, you know, the the background of why that line actually came into existence, don't you? No, like the but about it? go for it. Tell us. Oh, well, okay. So Russell T. Davies wrote it because uh, he wanted to kind of 
basically mess with David Tennant because saying the oon sound with his Scottish accent, like trying to do that in an English accent is really, really hard for him. So he basically did it to mess with him because he's mean. That's cool. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Cause he had to really struggle with it. Poor guy. Oh, that is too cool. Yeah. And, you know, I often forget until I hear David Tennant talk in his Scottish accent. He has a very thick Scottish accent, and you really don't notice it too much in his Doctor Who. And I wonder if that's why he talks so rapidly as the Doctor. Yeah. I mean, occasionally he slips, but for the most part, he's actually pretty good with uh, his English accent. His American accent, not so great, but his English accent's pretty good. And it's actually, even his Scottish accent isn't as strong as it used to be, I think, because he's been in London for, God, like 20 years or something. But he, um, if you watch his early work, it's way heavier. So, Nicole, uh, I've got a quick question for you. Since you were not able to be on with us any of the Series 11, just in a nutshell, since we're fresh off of the New Year's Day special and finishing up with Series 11. What were your thoughts overall of A, the 13th Doctor, and B, the series as a whole? Dun, 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 uh, dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I will say, first off, I did really like Jodie a lot. Um, I found that I don't really know her that well at the end of the season. One of my big complaints about the season was that Jody and Yaz didn't really get a lot of character development and that pretty much the main focus was on um a little bit on Ryan but mostly on Graham and it felt like the Graham show to me and I'm I love Bradley Walsh don't get me wrong but I kind of you know going into the season where it's like we have a female doctor and we have you know these two companions of color and then they just focus on the white guy the whole time i'm like are we really that diverse here because i'm not feeling it and honestly chibnall's writing for the most part i just find really lackluster and i found a lot of the stories really kind of i don't want to say boring but just kind of underwhelming i i think my hopes may have been too high it's definitely a season for the most part i don't really want to rewatch very often, if at all. I'm kind of like dragging my feet doing my own reviews for my podcast. I'm just like, I'm just not interested in it at all. So, yeah, kind of not really good to me. Sorry. No, no, you own. I mean, everyone has an. That's what makes what we do so much fun is if everybody saw their opinions just like I did, then. Eventually, it's going to get boring because we'd be watching the same thing over and over and over again. So absolutely, you know, no no problem with that. I do have a curious question, though. If you had to name one episode out of Series 11 that you had to recommend to someone, what would that episode be or which one would that be? Um, the one I actually probably liked the best was It Takes You Away. I do like really sort of surreal storytelling, and it was very sort of fairy tale, and that was probably my favorite. Cool beans. So, yeah, I want to I follow up. I guess uh, we're not The Walking Dead. We don't have three questions. We have two questions to ask, you, <laughs> which, which is, um, is if you had to, if you could only keep one companion who would it be? And Kyle, what's the other one? I think I'm I'm going blank okay. here. If you could only keep one companion, who would it be? 
And if you, um, Oh, wow. Clarence, it's happening to me too. If you could only keep one companion, which one would it be? And if you had to get a, get rid of one. Right. If you could, right. If you had to, oh, yes. If you could only keep one, which one would it be? And if you had to get rid of one and keep the other two, which one would it be? Um, I would probably keep Yaz because she gives me a bunch of Nissa feels. Like I just, I really like her a lot, and I admit I I ship her with the Doctor. I, I'm one of those people. <laughs> like I I don't know. I just really like her character. Even it's not super well developed, but she's still I find her very interesting. Um, as far as getting rid of a character, man, I. I'd have to say Graham. That sounds so terrible, but like I'm ready for him to be gone. I'm like, <laughs> I just want you to go. Like it's so weird. I have such mixed feelings about him, but I'm like, okay, you had your focus. You can go now. <laughs> it's funny because it seems like whenever I hear people say they really hate the character, it's always Graham. I mean, that's from different groups of people that I yeah, heard talk I about the show. People loving him, so it's it's yeah. kind of I feel bad about it. <laughs> hmm. Because I know, think he did really well with what he had to, to – with what he was given, but I also think he was given way more than anyone else. So it's kind of hard to judge that. And the interesting thing that I've found is almost universal is everyone seems to say, I want more Yaz, that Yaz needs to be fleshed out more. And oh, yeah. it seems like no one wants to get rid of Ryan. No, I think Ryan is really good. I do want to know more about him. I feel like a lot of his storyline was sort of really heavily linked in with Graham. And I want to know more about Ryan on his own, you know, just kind of, you know, I, I like the idea of Ryan and his relationship with Graham and Ryan is in his relationship with Grace and his dad. But I kind of like, I don't know, I just feel like it's always him in relation to somebody else. I kind of don't know, like, what are his dreams? What are his things that he wants to do? And I mean, I know he wants to be a mechanic, but I mean, does, is that his dream or is that just something, <laughs> you know, that's just a job yeah. he could do? You know, I, I feel like I don't know what, what motivates him yeah. at all. Just personally. I mean, maybe I missed it. You know, it's always hard to tell, but I just kind of want to know more about him. Interesting. Good deal. Good deal. So let's uh, mention real quick, uh, if anyone is going to be going to Pensacola, Florida in uh, February, February the 22nd through the 24th, sometime during that time, and we will put this on our website when we know for sure, the, the t Discussing Who team will be having a Doctor Who panel at Pensacon. And since our last recording, it has been announced that another Doctor Who alumni or alum, whichever one is the appropriate one to say, is coming, and who is that? None other than Michelle Gomez, Missy. So, Nicole, have you ever seen Michelle Gomez before? Yes, she. Um, it was. It might have even been her very first con appearance. She was at Hulanta a few years ago, and she she was there the same year as Katie Manning. So it was like the, you know, kind of kookiest women ever on the stage. I mean, they're both <laughs> their personalities. You know how like Michelle Gomez's personality a lot like it, it's like really quirky. She's like that in real life, but she's just really funny. And I, I loved her. I wish I could have met her. I didn't have the money for an autograph or a photograph that year. 
but just watching her on stage, she was amazing. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, before we get into the review, we do have one piece of feedback that we will play right now. It is from our friend Blue Box Bill. So we will be right back after feedback. Howdy doodly do. Discussing who? Blue Box Bill here with a regenerated voice. Today's feedback is in response to podcast 126, which contains your review of The Woman Who Fell to Earth, Doctor Who, Series 11, Episode 1, when, an hour, and 24 minutes in, Lee says. When when we watched it together uh, as a family, my, uh, and we saw Ryan trying again and again and again to ride the bike, there, there's a part of me um, who who really felt like what we were going to see was the triumphant moment where he pedals away on the bike. And looking back, I would have been disappointed if that's what happened because that's not how you, that's not how you train your body to do something with dyspraxia. You don't just go out there and, and, and bite your lower lip and say, now I'm going to do it. It's, it's, that's just not how that works. Yeah. So that would have been dramatically interesting, but it also would have kind of broken the rules of, of what we've seen of, uh, of Ryan so far. So I'm glad it didn't in that way. What did happen was we pulled back to a much wider shot, that beautiful countryside again, and saw that the doctor is watching him fail over and over and over again, but he's still trying. What she was watching was that he is determined and he's going to keep, no matter how bruised he's getting doing this. And my stepdaughter said, is she just going to watch him? So I wondered what you, what you thought about that. Did it seem to you like the doctor should have gotten involved somehow, or was she doing the right thing or is she she learning she learning something about ryan or Clarence, why, why that why that shot of the doctor watching that yeah i'm wondering what's the what the message is you know yeah it's kind of hard to dissect um is it because she's not really going to even comfort him she's just looking mm-hmm. <laughs> which if she was comforting him would be totally different it's like you know even if you're going through trials i'm here for you we'll get through this together but it, it might be exactly what you said lee it's um her seeing something in him, uh, this self-determination, if he wants to do something, he's going to go after it, even if he knows it may be out of his reach. Yeah. So I don't know. I, we'll have to see where that lands at the end of the story. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I have yeah. to agree with you there. I think it was more of a watching the, you know, not ambition, but the perseverance and the determination that he has, and I'm glad that that he didn't just magically start riding the bike. And yeah. you know, I'm very glad that you didn't have the doctor go down and say, "You know what, Ryan? It's going to be okay. I'm the doctor. I believe in you." And then magically, <laughs> you know, everything's okay. Yeah, and that's why I'm not writing for the show because if I'd written it, that's what would have <laughs> happened. So, because <laughs> I just love things. Like that. And it but doesn't it make you doesn't it make you like Ryan? I mean, yeah. I could just, I, yeah. yeah, it's like it's a double heartbreak too because he he started off with this thing that he can't do, this tragic thing, you know, this tragic yeah. aspect of his life, and by the end of the episode, he's also lost his mother. Yeah, and, you know, right. it's just like it 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 felt bad at the beginning, but now it's just like it's compounded. It feels that's even right. Worse. We've learned yeah. he, we've lost we've learned that he's lost his his granny, his grand. Yes, Grand, yeah, right. Yeah. And his his dad is he says being reliable has oh. never been his thing. Now he's yeah. lost his grandmother, and he's got dyspraxia. She, yeah. 
And then he gets uh, marooned in outer space. (laughs) (laughs) All this and more in next time. (laughs) Exactly. It's a great day for Ryan Sinclair. To me, this particular scene is metaphorical. An analogy for how we see the Doctor. Ryan refuses to be defeated by dyspraxia, even though there's no way for him to escape it. Initially we cannot see that the Doctor is also watching Ryan as he repeatedly loses his balance, falls to the ground, gets up, and has another go at riding his bicycle. Much in the same way, the Doctor often encounters several impossible problems, sometimes all at once. It's been said that the true character of a man, or a woman, cannot be judged by what they do in public, but rather, by what they do in private. This is a very private moment for both Ryan and the Doctor. An alien menace has been neutralized by the Doctor and her newfound friends, but along the way there's been a devastating death in the family. Ryan does what many of us do at times like this. While honoring the memory of his gran, he does his best to resume his life, to return to what he knows as normal. He battles dyspraxia. Maybe a remedy for his condition is discovered in Ryan's future, but in 2018, without her TARDIS, the Doctor is powerless to help. Just as we are powerless to help, when the Doctor, or a companion is in distress, we see the Doctor watching Ryan. She can only look on, and hope for the best. She is not always able to save the day. Some days not everybody lives. When giving up is not an option, it seems that loss is unavoidable. Determination and sacrifice appear to be two sides of the same coin. This fleeting scene, also has me wondering how the Doctor counts the cost. That's all for now. Until next time, happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Well, as always, it is nice to hear from Blue Box Bill. Thank you again for your comments. Thanks for sending those in. And for anyone listening, if you have any comments, if you have any thoughts, if you have any ideas of things that you would like for us to talk about, whether it be on our Patreon page or whether it be here on the podcast proper or whether it be on our YouTube channel, send it in. Send us an email at host at discussingnetwork.com or you can also send us a message on Facebook. Just send us a message or send us a file. Whatever you would like, please do it and we would definitely like to talk to you and maybe have something different or like I said, on our Patreon, YouTube or on this show proper. So guys, are you ready to get into the review? Anything else before we get into the review? I can't think of anything. Oh, I don't good, know. Man. You know, I just remembered. Should we mention the new Hulanta guest? Ah, go for it. Let's do that. I totally forgot about that until right now. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Hulanta just announced, gosh, it was either today or yesterday. I'm in such a blur this week. But it was uh, Jason Hay Ellery is going to be coming to this year at Hulanta. And he is kind of the, the co-runner of Big Finish. I don't know what his actual title is, but he's he pretty much him and Nick Briggs run Big Finish. Ah, sweet. So, yeah, and he's been at Hulanta before a few years ago, but it'll be interesting to see him again. Cool. And for anyone listening, you can go to hulanta.com to find out more about Hulanta and how to get your tickets and how to um, know more about Hulanta in general. So for anyone listening, if you have not seen Smith and Jones, put us on pause because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 
Spoilers. Spoilers. All right, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back and ready to review the first episode of the third series of the British science fiction series we all know as Doctor Who. It first aired on BBC One on the 31st of March, 2007, but it did not air in the U.S. until the 6th of July, 2007, and of course on the Sci-Fi Channel as it was known then. So initial thoughts, what did you think of the initial first appearance story with Martha Jones. And Clarence, I'll let you take this one first. What were your initial thoughts of this one? Yeah, man. I don't know why I want to keep saying Smith and Wesson, but uh, Smith and Jones, uh, <laughs> America, America. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, you know, it's so different coming from the series we just had with Jodie Whittaker and coming back to this one. The tone it strikes is so much so different. And I don't know if it's better or worse but it just it feels like a different show almost in a lot of ways um i enjoyed it i thought it was a lot of fun it was cool seeing martha on her first adventure i loved her family which i'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit the the family was awesome and i don't remember getting much of her family from this point on i don't know maybe we do i just don't remember this is only my second time seeing this episode (laughs) um but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm sure we'll get into the details. All right. Nicole, what about you? Well, um, you know, obviously from my previous appearances on the show, um, I, I just never really took to Rose. And so it wasn't until Martha came on that I was like, oh, my God, yes, this is what I want. This is this is my companion. Because I always like the really smart, independent girls as the – well, guys, too, but – I just, they're always my favorites and I liked having, you know, another like, I don't know, just very intelligent, very clever, but also like very level headed. And so I loved her in this. And honestly, this is probably, I'd say this might be my favorite first episode of a companion, like the introduction episode, because I just love it. I'm, as I just ranted on my Facebook, the last five minutes I really hate, but disregarding those five minutes, it's like, <laughs> I love it. I could just watch it over and over. I mean, it's not a deep episode. It's it's very playful and kind of silly and kind of light entertainment, but I don't know. I just really like it a lot. Mm. So for me, and and I'm going to contrast in a different direction than what Clarence said, you know, Coming off of this last series, yes, absolutely, it did feel like a different show, but no disrespect to series 11, but it was like I had come home to Doctor Who, and I feel bad oh. about saying that, but oh, I really, <laughs> it did feel like a different show, and it, it, it made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside again, like, oh, this is the Doctor Who that I know and love, and it had nothing to do. That was just the do. radiation. You just had to shake out the radiation. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. And, and 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 no disrespect in, at all to Series Eleven, but but that was just my biggest big takeaway was welcome home. I'm back. Yeah. There certainly is a certain amount of playfulness in this, especially this first episode that I don't think we really saw in the latest series. 
And, you know, I think that playfulness was part of the thing that, that made it feel just different, you know, a different tone. You know, the, the doctor was fun, playful, you know, cracking whips and things like that. So, um, and then you have the whole relationship with him and Martha, which, you know, uh, another girl smitten, question mark. <laughs> I ship it. <laughs> So before we get into uh, Martha's family, you brought up an interesting point, Clarence, and I think it would be a a good point to actually talk about at this point, which is we went directly from the companion knowingly being smitten slash in love with the doctor to the rebound companion for all intents and purposes. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, but really, I mean, that's... Kind of way the way they portrayed her in mind of I, I mean I'm not saying she was that should have been the title of this episode rebound <laughs> but but but, but do you guys agree that that was kind of how she was portrayed to some degree kind of yeah I mean uh, there's so many problems with how that relationship was portrayed from like a doyless standpoint but yeah I don't know it, it's weird though because like with Rose and the Doctor like. For I'll, I'll get to that part in the in the episode where it says we were together, and I remember when I first saw that I was like, "What?" You know, like I never thought they were romantic. I don't know why. <laughs> I just didn't. I was very confused. I was like, "Did I miss an episode?" I'm really confused. But the, but the doctor and Rose kind of felt like they had a very sort of childlike relationship, like almost that kind of romance where like. With Martha, it feels more adult. Like they have, and I don't mean like in a sexy way. I mean, there's a bit of that, but I mean, for the most part, it feels like two adults relating to each other. And so I don't know, just the tone between the two of them is, is very different. Yeah. I don't it's know, hard to explain. <laughs> I agree. I mean, she's a professional career woman. She's, she's an adult. A, yeah. She's a doctor or finna be a doctor. Finna uh, be a doctor. Uh, yeah. I guess I could call this the two doctors, maybe. I don't know. But, oh, that's but, already been used. <laughs> yeah, but this one would have been much better than the two doctors. Just oh. I mean, no, no offense to doctors and doctors. I keep saying no offense, but, uh, yeah, we've, we've reviewed painfully the two doctors. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about the, how this episode opened, I love that little bit. And I don't know if I'm just not remembering if we got much of, um, uh, her family as we go forward. But I do like how she was kind of this seemingly the connective tissue of her family. And maybe they were kind of trying to use that to to show how she would be um, as the series goes on. Somebody who can keep her cool and uh, keep things in order. And, you know, like you mentioned, Nicole, she's a professional woman. So it looks like she has her stuff together, which I really like. So she's definitely a mediator. You can really get that in that. I like that scene. It's very. uh it's very good because it, it just it shows first it introduces all her family, but it also shows how she interacts with each of them and how she relates to each of them. But in like really quick shorthand, which I really like. I love her family, too, by the way. I'm always listening to podcasts and I'm like, oh, my God, Martha's mom. And Mar-. I'm like, I love her family. <laughs> I'm going to go on record. I think they're awesome. So, yay, Martha's family. You know, and I like the, and, and yay on Martha's family uh, uh, as well. I like the fact that you took, with Rose, you had 
you know, the sometime boyfriend, whatever she and Mickey were, and you had the single mom raising a single child. And in contrast to that, when we introduce Martha, you have two parents. Yes, they are divorced, but you still have two parents and three children. And I'm assuming Martha's the oldest child. And how the middle child, the middle child. Okay. Yeah. And how she's interacting. And, and you guys are right. She's the mediator, but full fledged family, full fledged family members contrasting to what had become before. And I thought that was very smart way to introduce the family. And I think it was smart having a larger family unit than what had become with Rose. Yeah. And, and a contrast with their, their class as well. I mean, not like a massive contrast, but, you know, Rose was, you know, lower class. She lived in, um, the, uh, housing estate where Martha's family, they're pretty well to do. I mean, they're not like super rich. I think they would be classed as middle class. I always get confused with in Britain what their class structure is, but I mean, her family has pretty good money. And so it was interesting to show that kind of, it's, it's like a little bit different. Like Rose is trying to escape her lower class life where Martha, I mean, she didn't really need to escape. It's like a gap year. She's just going to run away for a little while, but then go back to school and she's probably going to have a very comfortable life and you know, whatever. Agreed. Good point. So Clarence, I think you were about to, uh, did you, did you have a point or something? Oh, sorry, Clarence. No, no, no. no, no, no. I have it's, a lot of feelings. <laughs> no, that's quite all right. The only thing I was going to mention is I don't remember Martha having a boyfriend in the whole run up until, you know, what we get later with, uh, Mickey. Uh, so I find that a little kind of different too, uh, if you want to compare it to Rose and maybe, uh, Amy going forward. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit different that she's this company career woman and she doesn't really have anybody, which is fine, which is fine. I mean, she's but- in medical school, to be fair. And she has like a I bet her mother seems to be the type that was going to push her to yeah. make her succeed. So she probably has no time. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> I mean, she probably just doesn't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me you guys tell me this and tell me if I missed this when when I've. I've watched it. The doctor, it clearly felt like he was interviewing Martha, for lack of a better word, the way he was watching her and watching things going on. Did they ever explain in the story, because again, I can't remember, if he was there looking for the bad guy of the story, or was he there interviewing Martha? Um, they did say, um, what he says actually is he was noticing some, I don't remember exactly the wording he used, but some weird energy coming from around the hospital. So he checked into the hospital to see what it was. He thought it was external to the hospital, but then the hospital got taken to the moon. He, he kind of says it like super fast. Gotcha. I only remember it because I've seen it a ton of times, but. Basically, because he's like, oh, I checked in and then it ended up being here. So he is checking out something bizarre and he even says, you know, I was just passing through. I didn't want to get involved, but, you know, here I am. So it sounds like he sort of stumbled into it. Got you. Got you. Got you. So I want to go and talk about going to the moon. But before I do that, I had totally forgotten that they made a reference to Martha's cousin who was at Canary Wharf. Adiola. Yes. Yeah. 
And I had totally forgotten that they in story made reference to, hey, this person has been on Doctor Who before. Yeah, actually, it, which is funny because there's like three people in this episode otherwise, other than Freema that have been in Doctor Who before. But with that, it was like I was wondering what they were going to do with that because it was such recent memory. But um, I did like that they had her cousin, even though it was she's a very identical cousin. Yes, but, very identical. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And obviously the doctor sort of skipped over the fact that he basically killed her cousin because he took that thing out of her ear. Oh, you know, yeah. She was cyberized. So that probably didn't come up in conversation <laughs> with Martha. Like, oh, I remember her. I killed her. You know, I thought you looked familiar. Wow. But, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of returning people in this episode. I don't know if you know that. Um, who else were they? Uh, well, first, there's uh, Martha's mom and Joa Ando. She was uh, Sister Jat. She was one of the cat nuns in New Earth. You wouldn't recognize her because she was in cat makeup, but she's one of the main cat nuns in the New Earth episode. You've got Martha's dad, Trevor Laird. He was in the uh, Sixth Doctor serial Mind Warp. He played Frax. And then finally, Anne Reed, who played Florence Finnegan, the plasmavore, she was in Curse of Fenric, which, if you know me, that's my favorite Seventh Doctor story. It's actually my favorite classic series story ever. And she played Nurse Crane in that. Cool. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of returning people. That's pretty cool. I, did, I didn't know the classic actors were in this as well. Do, do they do a lot of bringing the classic actors back to the new series over the course of? They come back periodically, not as often, but sometimes. Uh, uh, one of my favorite, other than Sarah, one of my favorite uh, bringing back um, classic actors, you know, into the new series was the surprise spoilers for season 10 when they brought back Alpha Centauri, especially considering oh how old God. that lady is. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I lost it. I was so excited. <laughs> A lot of people don't like Alpha Centauri, but like, <laughs> no, I just, yes, they look really bizarre. And I just, I can't help it. I love that character. So, well, it's to me, it's yeah. the voice. There's something yeah. about that voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I'm curious, when they took the hospital to the moon, so, you know, the hospital is basically uh, beamed aboard the moon, so to speak. Having said that, what did you guys think of the way they portrayed the people and they're all of a sudden having these um, freak like out moments? Freak out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Their reactions was just bananas i mean it was so funny it was so unnecessary (laughs) okay you're on the moon you're going to be you know scared or whatever i get that but man they they had them freaking out like it was like jesus had cracked the sky or something i don't know there was some interview and i could be totally misremembering this but i feel like russell said that he did that because you know, a lot of people like weird stuff happens to them in sci-fi and they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And he's like, I wanted people to really freak out because like if you end up suddenly on the moon, you're going to go a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. They were on the yeah. moon. So, yeah. and it was like, 
You know, sometimes when one or two people are starting to go crazy, you kind of think, oh, I can go crazy too. And it just kind of like amps up and where if everyone's being calm, you're kind of acting calm. So I just feel like everyone just made it worse for yeah. everybody else. Oh, I've been feeling crazy for a while. Let me go. Ah. <laughs> you would have thought Oprah was giving out prizes or something. Yeah. <laughs> you get a moon. You get a moon. You all get a moon. <laughs> Um, but, but now I get the point. I, I get that. But here's where I lose that is yes, you arrive on the moon, but you, if you've been living on the earth, have looked up in the sky and seen the moon for as long as you can humanly remember. Is that a true statement? Pretty yeah, much. basically. Unless you're blind. Unless you're blind. Very good point. <laughs> yeah. But when the, Jadun arrive and they land outside the hospital and they start to march in. We have a group of people looking out the window, kind of like, Oh, cool. Here come the aliens. Not freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the reactions weren't exactly level on those two events, you know? Yeah. They calmed down finally. I love like Mr. Stoker has like binoculars. I'm like, why would you even have those in your office? Yes, like, creeper. Is he like a peeping Tom? Creeper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that guy, man. I'm like, he, is he like Dr. Sherlock Holmes or something? The way he was <laughs> diagnosing the cases at the beginning. Like, really? He's such a jerk. Yeah, he was totally a jerk. It was weird, too, because they call him a consultant and they don't call him a doctor. So I wonder, I don't know what that means. Like, I guess he's a doctor, but they call him Mr. So. Yeah. And of course, his name was like a, you know, Bram Stoker reference. So. <laughs> So speaking of, you know, let me drink your blood, the Plasmavore character as a bad villain, was this a bad villain or was this a good villain? What did you guys think of the Plasmavore? And uh, Nicole, since this was your favorite story or someone from your favorite classic story, won't you take it first? Um, I, I find her like, She's not really scary to me. I find her kind of funny. Like she's she's got these great little lines and she's got her bendy straw, which I just love. <laughs> she just drinks people, you know, <laughs> yeah. dry through the straw. And she's just and she's just this little old lady. And I don't know. I just I find her hilarious. And I probably if I was a child, maybe I'd be scared of her. But I actually just find her really funny. And, uh, but I, I think she's a great character. Like, I think Claire, uh, let's not call her Claire. Uh, Anne Reed is like just really, really funny. And she's just got these great little comedy moments. And, you know, she's just like, I've just had salad <laughs> every day, you know, and I just, she's such a, you know, contrast because everybody thinks the baddie's going to be this really evil person. And, you know, she's actually, you know, not that scary. I mean, she obviously she's going to, you know, burn half the planet and, and that sort of stuff. But she doesn't show how scary she is until the end. So, Clarence, what about you? What did you <laughs> think of uh, the vampiric, so to speak, plasmavore? Yeah, when um the, the comment came up about burning half of the planet, I can help to think to myself, uh, Miss Finnegan, you the real Thanos. You the real Thanos. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. She was playful and fun. Um, as Mint just mentioned, the straw was kind of freaked me out a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
It really and that she was out. apparently kinky too, because you know the doctor referenced that. He's just like, um, someone has one hell of a fetish with the leather guys. I'm like, whoa, I don't need to know that about. <laughs> That's a lot of information about little Florence Finnegan. <laughs> and how does nobody see these uh, motorcycle guys walking around the helmet zone, and nobody gives it pause or questions? Yeah, Martha, it? I think was the only one that noticed exactly. <laughs> like does that. Doesn't look right. Anyway, yeah. uh, who walks in like that exactly? <laughs> but yeah, I love. I thought she was a fun character and just enough, just villainous enough to to make it very interesting. Uh, not too playful, but you know, the straw uh, definitely pulled me over on the creepy side. What about you, Cal? Yeah, uh, the the straw was actually, and this just says how weird I am. I w- spent too much time sitting here thinking. Now, how in the heck? Did you get the blood to come through the straw? Because I was like, if you poke the straw into his neck, his is neck is going straw? to be right. Yeah. What kind of straw is that? Unless it's a steel plastic looking straw, maybe. Kyle, have you ever tried to drive a straw through your neck? No, I haven't. <laughs> well, okay. Put us on pause right now. Yeah, put us on pause. If you have not done this, put us on pause. <laughs> You know, you just catch the right vein, it'll just be flowing, right? Yeah, exactly. And please, anyone listening, do not try that at home, please. (laughs) Somebody could have sent us in some feedback about it. Uh, Wow. Oh, that's too funny. But, um, so why don't we, before uh, this turns into a bloodbath here, why don't we uh, talk real quick about the Jadoon? What did you guys think of the Jadoon? And Clarence, I'll let you take this one first. The Jadoon, what did you think? So I'm trying to fully understand, are the Jadoon just the uh, galactic rhino police? Is that what they are? Basically, police for hire. Yeah, mercenaries. Yeah, I thought they were fun. Uh, Maybe a bit extreme when they're judge, jury, and executioner. Um, (laughs) I'm like, whoa, you know, they, they are doing it all and not holding back. Uh, I thought that was a little weird, but it's still fun. Still fun. I thought they looked very cool on screen, even though they were basically just rhino faces. I thought it still felt believable enough, you know, for the episode. So I really liked them. Um, yeah, I still, still hug up on the judge during execution apart, but you know. Mm. Okay. Uh, Nicole, what about you? What did you think of them? I thought they were pretty fun. I liked, well, I liked their costumes a lot. Like they had really cool boots and everything. And I loved the little, it's again kind of playful with their scanner and it, it like just writes like a, a marker and it has the, you know, the sound effect with the squeaking. It's just so funny because it makes it like less scary that they're just going to mark you with a marker. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. They're not the brightest. I mean, even the doctor says they're, they're pretty thick. They're kind of, not really the most intelligent of the baddies, but they're kind of funny. And of course they get all confused with poor Martha when she's, you know, been kissed by the doctor. They're like, what are you? And I love (laughs) that they give her this compensation and we never hear anything about that again. Like, I mean, there's been fan fiction written about it. Like what did, did Martha ever use her compensation? Cause I think that that would be a perfect story that, you know, her and the doctor could just use that. Maybe it was like a free travel pass or something, but yeah, I don't know. I I think they're fun. They're not, they're again, they're not really scary. They're more humorous to me. Okay. So for me, 
the there's something about and you you guys are going to laugh at this but the the jadoon remind me of a love child between a uh rhinoceros and um a santaran i can see that especially the helmets they have like almost similar helmets yeah <laughs> so maybe that was strax's cousin who knows Ooh, yeah but then again, that's we got to think about how that was they were made, and that's a little scary. So, Clarence, did I ask you? And, I, and if I didn't, I apologize. Did I ask you what did you think of the Jadoon? Or you may have already answered, and my brain is just wibbly no, wobbling. Yeah, yeah, I answered first, but I will just add that um, I do like how they were. I guess we're saying they're dumb, but they were kind of systematic in moving about the hospital, cataloging. Everybody, which was which just was very interesting, and like you mentioned, uh, uh, Nicole, about just all this high technology, and they're just marking their hands with a marker. Like, really, <laughs> it's <was> very <laughs> funny, very funny. You know, the thing that I took away from uh, the Jadoon, we do see them in bit pieces in later episodes, but I'm really shocked as a character that we've not seen the Jadoon in a major story since this story. And as as characters go, I find other characters that I've seen repeated over Tim Shaw that was not as good as the Jadoon, Tim Shaw. And <laughs> I wish that, you know, I would see J- the Jadoon more than Tim Shaw. So that's my take on the Jadoon. Yeah, well, they're just kind of hard to, I mean, the makeup is probably a little hard yeah. to do. Might be expensive. Yeah. And I don't know how many of them were actually in the makeup because I think the rest of them kept their helmets on. Am I remembering correctly? You are very correct. Yeah, I think that was on the confidential. A lot of them just had the helmets on. Hmm. And I wonder if that's why, uh, you know, the plasmavore had her two biker buddies was because, um, you know, that you gave the presence of a bad guy or presence of an alien assumption and our minds are just picking up what we think that person or that being might look like under the helmet. Hmm, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Certainly a good way to have a, have this whole episode, but spin. As little as as little money as possible on alien props and stuff like that, because if you think about it, they were in a hospital the whole time and only had a few people in costume. So it probably was a fairly cheap episode to shoot. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, probably the most was just having all the extras that were freaking out, but they probably didn't have that (laughs) many of them. (laughs) I can only... I guess that the director was like, okay, just go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they did. Ah, yeah. Oh God. Speaking of the director, um, I forgot one random, really quick trivia thing that has nothing to do with that, but this is how my brain works. But, um, Charles Palmer directed this and this was his first Doctor Who story. I'm pretty sure. And it took me forever to learn that he was Jeffrey Palmer's son. Did you know that? Do you know who Jeffrey Palmer is? I've heard the name. And again, I apologize because my brain is like uh, being plasmavored. So who is Jeffrey Palmer? (laughs) Okay. So Jeffrey Palmer, he's been in a ton of stuff. But as far as Doctor Who, he was in um, Voyage of the Damned. He played the the ship's captain that was going to crash the ship. Kind of the old guy with the mutton chops. Yes. Um, 
He's just a, he's a very famous British actor, but apparently his son, Charles Palmer, is a director and has directed a whole bunch of Doctor Who. He directed some in series three and then he came back for, I think it was some Matt Smith episodes. And I also learned that apparently he's also married to Claire Skinner, who was uh, Madge Arwell in Doctor Widow in the Wardrobe. So it's like all kind of Doctor Who stuff. Like, ah, cool. Yeah. Cool. I love trivia. It's, <laughs> I can't help myself. No, trivia, trivia is good. Trivia is good. And here's one thing that I liked about having the hospital on the moon was the air running out. I'm glad they added that in because just because you have a pocket of air on the moon, we all know how you'd breathe in, you breathe out carbon, yeah. you know, dioxide. So oxygen's going to run out. What did you guys yeah, think fine, of that? Uh, it was cool. My only question is I, I probably want to know the science behind it because it seemed like it ran out way too quick. But, you know, an, an hour episode, we, we made it work. <laughs> well, maybe the, when the Jadun came through, they left the hole. <laughs> good, po- good point. Good point. Mm. But, yeah, I, I do like that um, Martha reasons that out, you know, with the windows. She's like, well, they're not airtight. And even, you know, when she's yes. out on the, the balcony, she's like, well, that means, you know, we have just, um, you know, the oxygen is in short supply. And I just that's what like attracts me to her as a companion because she works this stuff out and she's like, Hey, this is that. And this is that. And so even if she's not necessarily right, you know, she's thinking about it. She's trying to work it out, which I loved. And yeah, the was, doctor loved too, apparently too. He's like, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is this. I love how, when a companion starts to, you know, work things out or ask the right questions. And then you see that look in the doctor's eye, whoever the doctor is at the time, um, and they just kind of light up like a light bulb, like, okay, okay, you get, you, you catch me here. I'm getting intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was really mean to Julia by contrast, but you know, he was in an emergency <laughs> situation, but yeah, he's like, she'll leave, you know, she'll hold us up. You don't come with us. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Julia. I mean, she's, she's legitimately freaking out in that yeah. situation. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it goes, but no, go ahead. No, I'm just saying I just always feel bad for her. I'm like, oh, because she has this face like, oh. (laughs) But, you know, that goes back into my feeling that Martha was being interviewed. You've got all these people who are having their spaz out moment and talking about the oxygen. We use more oxygen when we're hyperventilating and when we're having spaz out moments than we do in normal times so you take all those people and you multiply how much air they were using having all those you know moments maybe that's where some of the air went the more you know the more you know know, and obviously we had electricity on the moon because the lights never went out so hey (laughs) you know (laughs) generators the more you know (laughs) the oxygen was fueling the the lights (laughs) oh yeah, and I was going to mention that I love the moment when um, uh, Martha asked the doctor, what do I call you? And she's like, Mr. Smith, Dr. Smith. Uh, and he's like, just a doctor. She's like, uh, you know, you have to earn that. You know, I can't just call you doctor. You know, being, I love that too. being an aspiring doctor herself, you know, she, she wasn't going to give him that too soon. Yeah, she's like, uh, no, I need to take tests for that. You know, <laughs> no, you know, you got to earn that. Yeah, I was like, oh, you go, girl. So oh, yeah. 
So speaking of Martha, let, let's kind of, you know, we know the doctor saves the day. We defeat the plasmavore and all is well that ends well. My question then becomes Martha as a character and her initial introduction before she gets asked to, you know, join the TARDIS crew, you know, to travel. What do we think? of Martha as a character at this point, not knowing what's to come, how do we feel did she deserve to be asked to join, you know, him in travel? Nicole, why don't you take that one first? Um, I mean, I, I certainly thought she did. I mean, she showed herself to be very competent, very clever, very inquisitive. Um, she stayed calm in an emergency. She had good bedside manner. I mean, she showed herself to have a lot of the, the little idiosyncrasies that the doctor tends to like in a companion. I mean, I don't like the whole thing during Russell's era where it was like, I only take the best. I mean, it's not really like she's the best. I, she just showed that, you know, she would be okay in some of these situations. And, you know, she seemed like someone that the doctor might be interested in taking on his one trip. So <laughs> don't even start me on that one. But yeah, it just, he seemed like, she seemed like someone that the doctor could travel with. And I, I thought she was a really impressive character right off the bat. I really liked her. Cool beans. So Clarence, what about you? What did you think of Martha and her initial outing? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. Um, just going back to again, I loved how she's kind of this glue for her family. And then as we go through the course of the episode, she has all these moments, these, uh, small moments where she looks a little deeper or is intrigued by a particular event that happens, you know, running into the motorcycle man and seeing them again in the hospital, things like that. You know, I feel all of that showed that she had the, the, the intelligence to, you know, be a good companion and hang with the doctor and the doctor saw all these things as well. And, you know, even when they were on the moon, she was kind of one of the few people that was keeping her composure, you know, so all those things put together, um, in addition to me loving, uh, this actor, uh, you know, I was all on board <laughs> to have her be a companion. Cool beans. So for me, I really, really like Rose and I remember being really sad seeing Rose go. And I think my liking of Rose, while I remember Doctor Who from being a kid, I never experienced it. N- not in reruns, you know, I never experienced it live. So in many ways, Rose was my first modern, I can go with the story companion. So I was sad to see her go. I was extremely happy and accepting and everything about Martha. It was like, Hey, here you are. Let's, I'm happy you're here. Let's go places. I'm, I was so happy with her as a character. And I agree on everything the two of you just said. She was a great character. She was strong from the beginning. She was glue. She was a doctor. She, or aspiring doctor. And yes, she did have that little smitten with him a little bit. But on the flip of that, she was so independent that I think for me, that kind of made up for it. So kudos on Martha. That's all I can say on that. So, so I have to ask, uh, reception at the time of this airing, you know, I watched it late. I watched it way after this episode aired. Um, so just you guys remembrance of when it came out, what was the general reception of 
having a black companion. I'm assuming she's the first black companion. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. You're correct. Yeah, unless you count Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mickey. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So but basically, wh- the first lead companion. There you go. What was the general reception on her at the time? What, what do you um, remember, Nicole? Well, okay. So, like, I hung out. So, like, the Martha season is what brought me out of, like, being just my own lone Doctor Who fan to going online and interacting with other fans. Because I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I want to talk to other people. So, I was on Live Journal at the time, which is, oh, my God. Live um, Journal. Wow. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. Live Journal. So, in the um, general doctor who communities it was kind of a mixed reception um in the communities like the martha community i hung out with a lot of the people were actually people of color and they were very excited to have her on there um it varied there were some people that did have like really racist reactions that were like she looks wrong next to him and so we talk a lot about at that time that there was some unfortunate people in fandom about it but at least i kind of stayed in the little bubble of the happy people as much as possible so it kind of seemed like a mixed reaction i'd say the worst reaction of it was more people not wanting to accept her because she wasn't rose and getting mad at her because she wanted like that she did have feelings for the doctor even though a he did kind of lead her on and b she didn't watch series one and two, so she doesn't have any <laughs> idea of the doctor yeah. and his relationship with Rose. Like she didn't do anything wrong. Like I don't, yeah. I don't understand, but I feel like people like she was set up to be hated in some ways. And I feel like you had to kind of see past that in order to like her in some, in some situations. Hmm. That's my remembrance of it. So I was reading while you guys were talking and I was trying to find, you know, if they said what their initial reception was of, you know, Martha. I was actually going to Wikipedia and it may be in here and I just didn't have time to read it. But what I remember was mostly positive, actually, you know, that it was kind of as in a finally moment, kind of like when we got the first female doctor, finally you got a female doctor. I, and maybe this was just me, I knew in the back of my head that she was not of white descent, but she was Martha to me. It didn't matter what her color was. She was Martha. So, but I I don't remember any negative feedback or negative reception. But then again, social media, as far as what it is today, like uh, Nicole was just saying, is not what it is today. And there was probably or would be a lot more vocal naysayers, just as we had with, um, you know, um, with Jody. So who knows? Yeah. And the, the doctor leads the tone for the show. And I feel like because the doctor kind of rejected Martha, I feel like in some ways, some of the fandom rejected her along with him because they just kind of went with what he was thinking. And I have talked to people that they had experienced that where they weren't sure about her because the doctor didn't, wasn't sure about her. And so it was kind of an awkward time. I don't know. It's hard to, you know, speak for all of fandom. Obviously there's different sections of fandom. I hung out in more girl fandom. And so of course, you know, some of that was a little different than maybe, Gallifrey base, you know, so I don't know. It was, it was definitely a stressful time. <laughs> I remember there was a lot of push and pull 
through the fandom. Mostly it was like Rose versus Martha sort of yeah. stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see coming off of you know Rose goes down in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame of Doctor Who companions, whatever number of companions that is. I think she's somewhere near the top in my personal opinion. I do not put that on the group, <laughs> but you know I I can definitely see coming off of her and then people being like who 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 is this? It doesn't matter if she's but it don't matter who she is. Who I don't. You know, I don't want her, you know, so and honestly, I think, uh, see, I'm a, you know, a classic fan. I grew up watching classic who. And so for me, getting a new companion that that was normal. But I think a lot of people that started with a new series and Rose was their first companion, they had never changed companions before. Yeah. So that was also a thing where they had to to learn to to like a new person, because that's not common in TV shows where the you know main character that you might really like leaves and another character comes in and replaces them and you have to kind of love them too and uh, like i said for me that was nothing i was just like oh yeah cool whatever but i i think a lot of people struggled with that especially like younger people that were watching the show they didn't really know how to deal with that because that was just totally new to them mm. Good perspective. I'd never thought about that, but very good perspective. So, guys, let me ask you, is there anything that you had in your notes before we get to our final rating that you would like to mention that we have not covered? Oh, God, I have so much. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Let me let me dwindle it down. Let's see. Um, First of all, I really think and I will I will die on this hill. I think that the doctor really was leading Martha on. I mean, he says he does that whole kiss thing where he says just a genetic transfer. He could have licked her face. (laughs) Like, I mean, there's no reason he could, he did something that was like coded as romantic. I mean, he's not an idiot. The doctor is not dumb. He knows what he's doing. And just like weird stuff like that. And the whole thing when he's outside the pub, when Martha's family's fighting at the end, it's such a seduction scene. Yes. And then like she gets in the TARDIS and, and this is where I hate it. This is where I usually turn it off. He suddenly gets all jerky to her. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you were like, come on, come and, you know, you know, be with me and travel with me in time. And then suddenly he's like, oh, just one trip. I mean, he didn't yeah. do that to Donna and Runaway Bride. And he had just lost Rose. So he wasn't like just one trip, one trip and back home. But with Martha. Yeah. He was like suddenly just really horrible to her, and I was like, "What just happened?" Cause well, he really- says he would pay. He was paying her back for saving his life, is what he says. So, uh. <laughs> no, but it was just he's never done that. I think that was what yeah. was weird to me. It was like he's taken on people onto the TARDIS for less. I mean, heck, some people <laughs> have like snuck on the TARDIS, but I mean. He, you know, he's been nicer to other people yeah. and it just, he was really rude about it. That's what I, I just, I don't know. And the whole, like, I, I just, I just feel like he was giving her a lot of mixed signals and the whole, not like you're replacing her. And uh, it just, uh, it just felt really ugly. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, this is not, this is not an intro to a companion story to me. Yeah. I think they were definitely trying to play that up near the end of the episode. Like he wants her, but he doesn't really want her. And then, um, when she gets ready to go into Tardis, she's like, um, not much room. It'd be a bit intimate. You know, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, he kissed her. I'm just like, yeah. and also I will say, and I have extremely mixed feelings about this part, but when, 
the 10th Doctor mouse, it's bigger on the inside along with her. That was actually David Tennant's idea. And at first I always thought it was kind of funny because he just says it along with her. But now when I watch it, he seems like kind of annoyed. Like he's just sort of like saying it along with her and like, oh, I never noticed. And then like just kind of (laughs) rushes through her big moment like she's being a bother to him. And I'm like, what? Like, this is supposed to be your big moment. Like, I don't know. It just feels like it sets up the tone of the season where, I don't know, it's like Martha's just never going to be treated well or good enough or whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's icky. And I think they may be trying to play up the fact that, you know, Rose has just left and maybe he still can't get over her just quite yet. And, um... He's yeah, still struggling with that a bit, maybe. He doesn't need to be a meanie to the next person. <laughs> I, I said a nice word, meanie. I would have said a cussy word. Baggage, baggage. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, and that that's what, honestly, that was what was hard for me because I didn't like Rose very much. And then Martha comes on, I'm like, oh, this is an awesome companion. And the doctor doesn't seem to like her at all. And I'm like, what? You know, yeah. she's everything you want in a companion. I don't understand. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to agree with what Clarence said that maybe it was because of just coming off of Rose and losing Rose. Because if I contrast that you've with a black companion and a, and black female companion and a uh, white male doctor, if you contrast that to Bill Potts coming into the TARDIS for the first time with the 12th doctor, Every time the doctor starts talking as she's saying something, you hear this swelling music of, and it's the greatest, uh, it's bigger on the inside. And, you know, that's totally the opposite in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was, um, this is a rough season for me. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings. So I, I, I want to love the two of them. I think they have great chemistry. Um, a lot of people say they don't have any chemistry, but I think that Freema and David have really great chemistry. And I just, I don't know. I feel like Martha never got the chance to shine. And I also feel like a lot of people say, oh, she just, you know, moped about being in love with him the whole time. She did that for maybe 10 minutes of the entire season. If that's all <laughs> you remember about her, I, I don't even know what to say. You know, I'm just like, she did so much more than that. So yeah, it's just, it's just hard. I will say the uh, books and stuff that came out at the time, they treated her way better. They didn't get the memo that the doctor didn't really like her. So just <laughs> read those if you want a good relationship or fan fiction. So what about you, Clarence? What about in comparison? What did you think? In comparison to uh, – I'm with, sorry. No, no, no. You're good with Bill and and uh, the 12th nah, Doctor. I don't know. It just felt totally different. Um in every aspect to me. Um, I don't think we ever had that love interest thing with Capaldi. So it never really, you know, I never really took that into account in any sense. So, uh, to me, Bill was open to debate. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Who knows? Uh, as I said, open to debate. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bill to me was a very different companion too. She was, instead of being 
sure her of herself in the sense that Martha is. I feel Bill was more. I'm going to ask every question that comes to my head because I'm inquisitive. You know, <laughs> true. I'm good for it. I'm I'm the surrogate for the audience. You know, I felt that with Bill. So I don't know. I felt it was very different. Got you. The only other thing that I had on my list that I wanted to mention that we had not covered is. There was a throwaway line, or not so throwaway, but it was a subtle line that it proves Mr. Saxon is right. We are um, not alone in the universe. And I really yeah. liked having that other Saxon comment yeah. thrown in there. Yep. Always yep. nice to say something nice. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So why don't we give our final rating? And since, Nicole, you are our guest tonight, on a scale to from one to five, what would you say you would give this episode on one to five? Oh gosh. So like if it was without the last five minutes, I would say a five, but those last five minutes, I'm going to say, uh, 4.90. Wow. <laughs> really wow. Close. It's hard. <laughs> so yeah, 4.9. All right. Mr. Brown, Clarence, what say ye? Man, I don't feel like I'm being harsh here. <laughs> Do it. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with a 4.2. I had fun. Um, I don't believe it's my f- most favorite companion introduction, if I'm rating it that way. Um, overall, I just thought the story was okay. But... But uh, I do love the doctor and Martha playing off each other. I thought that was really well done. Their banter was great, and they just worked together. You know, the, from the, this first episode to me, they just felt like they were meant to be together, and not in the intimate sense. But you know, four point two. All right. So for me, if I'm looking at it, and I have to take that comment away that I said it felt like welcome home and I have to take that out of consideration because I have to judge this solely on the episode itself. I'm going to give it just a little higher and give it a 4.3. Um, it was not the best episode. I'll agree with that. It was not the best companion introduction. I think they've been better, but Coming off of you are the replacement of Rose, and this is your new companion. She was not Rose. She was different from Rose, and for all the things that were different from Rose, and the fact that I like Freema Agamemnon as an actor, I th- I'm going to give it 4.3. So that's my final rating. So, Nicole, if anyone, as we're wrapping up, is if anyone were listening and wanted to find out more about your podcast, where might they go? Oh, um, I have a podcast called Terminus, uh, which is currently on hiatus. I need to get it back out. But anyway, it's called Terminus, and it is at terminus.libson.com is probably the easiest way to find it. And I even have an episode about Smith & Jones where – if you like what I'm saying, I say it for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I was like, I had a lot of feelings about that story. I re-listened to that yesterday because I'm like, I'm curious what I said. And yeah, it was funny. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, if, and if anyone and if is you, listening and wants to hear exactly what Nicole said, we <laughs> will include the link in our show notes. Yeah, just for fun. I mean, yeah. It's just me ranting. Actually, I think I timestamped the rant so that people could skip it if they wanted to. <laughs> All right. So, Clarence, what about you? Where else could people find what you might be working on? 
Uh, you'll find me uh, stalking Freema argument because I think she's the cutest thing ever. No, no, I, I, would, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be doing that. Of course, it'd be, of course it'd be Clara I'd be stalking for real. But no, um, <laughs> well, I'm getting myself in a, getting myself in a hole here. I'm, <laughs> no, uh, guys, you can check me out by going to DiscussingTrek.com where we talk about all things Trek. The new season of Star Trek Discovery is about to come out and we'll be covering it all. So, yeah, go to DiscussingTrek.com. Good deal. And for anyone listening, if you want to find out the other things other than what we've mentioned that Clarence and I are working on, you can also go to DiscussingNetwork.com to find out all about our shows. And I would also encourage you, since Lee is not here, I would be remiss if I didn't invite everyone to go and check out the Relativity Podcast. It is a sci-fi serials, and it is starring and written by Lee Shackelford and also stars our very own Clarence Brown. So go check that out at RelativityPodcast.com. So again, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. We are glad you got me. the note and glad that got to you that we wanted you to come back. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I dreamt about it one day. I was like, I feel like someone's trying to get in touch with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad that you, that you, uh, drove out to Bad Wolf Bay and kind of. Yeah. Sit on the, the beach. I saw your like little, uh, you know, projection and I, was, I had eyeliner running down my face even though like i don't even wear makeup but i did that day i was wearing it for you and I was, you. it was running down my face and you were like no touch and i was like oh but i want to and, and, and then you went away and then yeah. i went and hung out with jackie and it was it was all fun actually so yeah and then i made it here so it worked out good good deal well yeah well, well, we'll definitely have to have you back on, uh, again, uh, and sooner rather than later. <laughs> and for anyone listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us at the beginning of 2019. We've got some great things planned, great things coming 2019. So be sure to subscribe to the show and check out our other shows and check out Nicole's show. And one last thing, we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. 
So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?